Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now today, I'm about to speak on the topic of the Holy Spirit. And I have to tell you that you will hear the Holy Spirit mentioned in many churches. Sometimes as they're going through a passage, they will bring the Holy Spirit into that passage. But you will rarely find a pastor that will take on the topic of the Holy Spirit and purely teach on him on the topic of the Holy Spirit. Now let me quickly say this, that when you hear today about the Holy Spirit in the 30, 40 minutes that I have, you need to know that the Bible has a lot to say on the Holy Spirit from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And so I won't be able to cover all of it. So as I did the study on the Holy Spirit, I sensed from him what he would have us learn for where we are in our stage. You will have enough today that you will have a greater and better and more accurate understanding, hopefully, on who the Holy Spirit is. I'm reminded of seeing a t-shirt that said, the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't understand. Well, I don't know, but I would think over the last uh, 45 years or so, there's been a tremendous amount of teaching on the Holy Spirit, but there's been an enormous amount of misunderstanding on the Holy Spirit. And it's my prayerful desire that by the end of today, that you will have a greater understanding of who the Holy Spirit is as a person, how he lives in our life in the presence, and then mostly I want us to go to the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live the kind of life that's filled with joy and victory that he would have us to have. Now to do that, I decided to pick if there was four mountaintops about the Holy Spirit, what would be the four keys that will unlock the mystery of the Holy Spirit? And I hope I did it in a way that you could be able to remember it and maybe share it with others. And so the first one we want to talk about today is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And you heard Brother Kaipo read to us some out of God's Word about the promise. And what Jesus was doing when he read that was that while he was on the earth, just before he resurrected and ascended to heaven, he was then teaching the disciples that he wasn't going to leave them all alone, that he himself was going to leave, but he will send himself back to them in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's where you get the promise of Him coming to us. I also like that further on in the passage, it talks about how that we could know Him and that the world does not necessarily know the Holy Spirit. And we're going to explain those principles to you today, and I hope in a way that will be a real blessing to you. But it's a promise. Let me ask you a question. Has there been a time in your life that someone had made a very significant promise to you or truly chose to leave you with a belief that something was going to happen from them, but they grossly let you down in such a way. I know that's happened to me. It's probably happened to you sometime or another in your life. I remember on a more humorous note that there was a young man many years ago, back in 1969, when the Super Bowl was played in Miami between the new franchise, New York Jets, versus the Baltimore Colts. And seated by a swimming pool in Miami was little young, not little, but young Joe Namath. And they were asking him, how do you feel like the ball game's going to go for this big Super Bowl in Miami? And Joe Namath looked squarely right into the camera and he said, I promise you that the New York Jets will beat the mighty Baltimore Colts. In fact, he said, I guarantee it. Well, to the shock of the sporting world, really, the New York Jets did beat the Baltimore Colts back in 1969. Now that was a little promise that he might have made, but he could not have made that promise alone. He had to have a team to do that and a bunch of other things had to go wrong with the Baltimore Colts. But think about other times that you've had a promise that was made to you that didn't happen though. 
How many of you maybe bought something? You look on the box. It says this is what's going to be inside. They'll tell you all the different little items that will be in there. And you start this project. One time Carol gave me a, for a gift is a gas grill. And of course, you ever get those gas grills that are all in these big boxes? It almost takes two people to kind of unload it, put it in your backyard on the lanai. And now you've got to break open that box and put that thing together. Well, the problem is, is that you get it all together. And if you're like me, <clears throat> the first time you don't look at the directions. And the directions will tell you, lay out all of the supplies that you need. Lay out all the different screws and bolts and parts so you see that you have it all. Not me. I didn't follow the directions when it said, make sure everything was there. I followed the directions on how to put it together. Do you know how frustrating it is to have something like a gas grill three quarters of the way put together, but you can't complete this thing and you go back to the store and they don't have the supplemental parts that's missing. And so now you have a half assembled object in your backyard that you cannot use. You cannot really take back easily and you don't know what to do with it. Has anything similarly happened to you like that? If it did, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone that that's happened to all of us sometime or not? It is so frustrating. You want to throw it in the river sometimes, don't you? Well, we can live through little problems like that, can't we? But if you've ever been let down in something that's even more severe than that, which would be you stood at the altar and the two of you looked at each other in each other's eyes and said, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do we part, we stay together. And that person promised fidelity and faithfulness to you only for you to find out, however long after that, that that person broke their vows to you in some moral failure that they had. And then you have to live through it. And some of you might be living in some measure of a chapter in your life through something like that. And you know the pain that it is. So all of you know a promise that was made to you that wasn't kept. Well, now what you have is you have to understand about promises. Promises are only as good as the person is willing and have the ability to keep the promise that they made. Well, now you go back to the Lord. We've already studied enough about the Lord to let us know that the Bible is truth and the Bible tells us accurately who God is and who Jesus Christ is. We've studied that already. So now you have Jesus Christ who is God, who is at the writing of the scriptures and now he's getting ready, Jesus, to leave the earth and he says to his disciples and us, I promise you that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in my place when I leave. Now, here's someone who could make a promise and has the ability to keep the promise. And let me tell you, there's probably no greater promise than knowing that he says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Because when he sends the Holy Spirit to us, he's sending all the other veracity part with him by saying, I promise to you, it's by faith alone that gets you into heaven. I promise to you, I paid for sin. I promise to you that the Spirit that I'm sending to you will seal you. I'm promising you this, that when you receive the Spirit by receiving Christ, you now have me inside of you to equip you, enable you, and empower you to live the life that would bring the joy on the inside even when all hell breaks loose on the outside. And that's a promise that only God can make to us through Christ. What a profound promise that he has. Well, let me explain something because those of you that weren't able to be with us again, we believe very strongly in what is known as the Trinity. While we don't see the word Trinity in Scripture, we do know that the Trinity exists. The Trinity simply stated is this is that we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. While they're all separate, they're all equal in essence and power because they're all God. The last time we were together, we explained to you that Jesus Christ is God. In a few moments, I'm going to show you where the Holy Spirit himself is Jesus Christ or claims to be Christ. So in the chain of things, you now see Christ is God, the Holy Spirit is Christ, Christ and the Holy Spirit are God, God's the Holy Spirit and Christ, so you see it all in one. I'm saying that to show you how that Trinity and the work of the Holy Spirit fits into at least one most significant area of our life. 
where are we going to go when we die? Salvation. So here's how that fits in. You have God the Father creating mankind, knowing that man would fall into sin and already having the plan of salvation designed in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So God provided Christ. Now you have Christ who is God. He continues this plan because he was with God, part of that plan. And now what Christ does is he says, all right, for man to go to heaven, someone has to die in man's place to make that sacrifice and he has to be perfect to do that. So you have God providing his son, Christ providing his perfect life, his death on the cross and his resurrection. So all of that is the components for you and I, God's part, to get into heaven. But now here's the Holy Spirit's part. Since the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's pro project in our life is this. It's to let us know that we're a sinner. Now I already know that the Holy Spirit is telling everybody in the world that has any form of a cognitive ability, a spirit, a soul, that they're sinners. Here's a question to ask you. Have you ever done something wrong that you knew was really wrong and you kind of go, ooh, I shouldn't have done that, ooh, I shouldn't have said that? Or you went to bed with a certain degree of guilt on your heart, a conviction that, man, you missed the mark of what you should have done, you knew to do good and you didn't do it. Has that ever happened to you? If it has, would you raise your hand? Okay, great. I have a microphone. I want you to tell us about that. No, 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 no. But the point I'm making is simply this, that the Holy Spirit's job is to bring conviction to us. So I already know that there is a Holy Spirit because you're already convicted of your sin and so am I. But that doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit's job then is to let us know that the Word of God can be trusted. And in the Word of God, you'll find that Christ died and He rose again. And that by placing our faith in Christ, He convicts us, He points us to Christ. We then trust Christ as Savior and the Spirit of God is all a part of that where that now we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now actually comes to live inside of us to empower us and do a whole lot of other ministries so that until we get to heaven, we can have the kind of life that will bring less feelings of uh-ohs and guilts and all of that and a life that's filled with blessings and joy and peace and love and even long-suffering when we have to go through things that bring us suffering. And that's part of the Holy Spirit. So you see the three of them, the Godhead, in the dynamic of salvation as it relates to you and me in something that's far more important than even the situation of the stock market or who got elected as president, our eternal destiny. And so that happens to be the promise that God has made to us. So the real question is, does he have the ability? Yes. Is he willing? Yes. Did he do this? Yes. The Holy Spirit did come. And for those of you that would like to know more about the Holy Spirit coming, I suggest then that you begin to read Acts chapter 2, and then you're going to see how the Holy Spirit actually came to the earth, what he did outwardly to manifest himself, and how lives were changed since then, even to the present here. So start at Acts chapter 2. Let's talk about the second key that unlocks the mystery of the Holy Spirit, and that would be the person of the Spirit, the person of the Spirit. Now, I'd like you to look at the verse that's found in your little outline of your worship folder because this is taken right out of God's Word and Jesus again is speaking. And here's what he says. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you, that's the promise, another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now, most of us have lived in this culture long enough to know that there is a lot of references to some sort of, of, of being or mysticism that's outside of the natural realm. For example, you could watch Star Wars and you could hear about, let the force be with you, so to speak. And you can hear a lot about the term spirits, or I want to connect to the spirits, and I want to get to this mystical, supernatural, spiritual thing that's out there. And so we hear that. So sometimes when we refer to the spirit... Unfortunately for even we who are Christians is that we refer to God the Father, God the Son, and Holy Spirit the it. It. You have it? You got it? 
Do you got it? You know, the Holy Spirit is not an it. And I know it's easy for us to refer to that it as a thing or a source or some power, but forget that the Holy Spirit is truly a person. Now, don't have a lot of time to unpack this, but think again with me. Our God is a God that's relational. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all in sync, all in unity, but yet different. He wants to connect to us, so we are people, we're person, and He does it not through God or merely the Holy Spirit, He does it through a person, a God-man, Jesus, to connect to us personally. So if God is a person, and He's referred to not in the feminine or in a neuter, but in the masculine, we believe not that He's a man, but that He's a person. Jesus Christ, we know, is a man, but a person, masculine, not a neuter, neutral thing. And then we have the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, it's not referred to as an it. He is referred to as a he or a him because he's a person, which means now you can, as much as have a personal relationship with God in Christ, truly have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit as well because he happens to be a person. Now think with me for just a moment. Do you think that Jesus Christ, who is as authentic as God, would send to us a cheap imitation of himself or a step down? <clears throat> How many of you have ever been overseas or maybe to uh, New York City or maybe even to our own swap meet and flea market here, and they have these purses hanging from these racks, and they look just like a coach or coach's purse or something, or a Dunian Burke? Are you... Are you Please with me, ladies, that I know some of these terms here, okay? All right, instead of a craftsman purse, all right? So anyway, getting back to this, and they sell them to you for $15, $20, and you think, wow, look at this great deal. Most of you women are smart enough to know that those aren't authentic coaches or Dunian Burks, that they're known as what? Knockoffs, okay? They're knockoffs. Now, I don't want to reduce the Holy Spirit to a knockoff, but I want you to hear how the Holy Spirit is not a knockoff. We value genuineness and authenticity. And the Holy Spirit is very much God. So let's go back to the passage. It says, I will give you another helper. And that would be in the masculine. I'm giving you a helper. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now there are three terms here that you might want to pick up. First is the word another. All right. He says, I'm going to give you another helper. Well, let's talk about that before we flip into the slide too much here. <clears throat> you already heard at the beginning of our service that my, my family is here. And we have two cars, all right? I have a car that Carol and I drove to church here. And I have another car. And I have my family then come a little bit later so they would be here with us this morning, all right? Now, in the Greek, there are two different Greek words for the word another. Now, this is important for you because what I'm trying to do is to show you that the Holy Spirit is God, not just a force, but a person who is equal to God, authentically equal to God. Now, stay with me. So what I have is I have a Honda, all right? And I have another Honda. So I could say to you, I have another one in the same. I have another car. I didn't send them on my Honda horse. I sent them in my Honda car, all right? So we would use the word another meaning the same. Then you have another word for the word another, which means another different. So I have another car, same, Honda, but it's different because the car I'm driving, that Carol and I came to church in, was a CRV. They came in an old beach car that I gave to them. 
an Accord. Now, aren't I a good older brother, younger brother here? So I have two Hondas, the same, two different Hondas, because one is a CRV and one is an Accord. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because all of you that know that I run around mostly in that red little Honda Accord, it's parked in the visitor spot. And I didn't want you to think that I parked my car in the visitor spot, all right? Now, that's not why I told you that story, so you can relax. We request our people, guests, that they do not park in the visitor space. And so when you see one of our members park in the visitor space, they know that they're dishonoring the rest of us because we want you as a guest to park over there to have it a lot easier. Now, back to this. You got the Holy Spirit. Here it says, I will give you another comforter. That word in the Greek is not another of a different kind of comforter. It's the word that says another of the same kind of comforter. Even though that might seem a little bridge there, not a big enough bridge, it's big enough for me to say, hmm, if Jesus is a helper and the Holy Spirit is another of the same kind helper, then I think I could see that the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ is God. So now you see another one of a different kind, another one of the same kind, and so it's the same kind of helper, which would be the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the next word here. This is the word comforter or helper. And when you read this word, I'm not going to go through the Greek for you. That's probably not going to be as helpful to you that don't know Greek because I'm not trying to wow you with what I know about Greek. But what is important is that when you see the word helper there, in other translations that may be on your lap that you're reading now, you'll read it. It doesn't say helper there. It says comforter there. Some of you might have another one that'll say it's the word advocate there. Why are they using different words? Technically, the Greek word means all of those. It means a helper. It means a comforter. It means someone to come alongside like an advocate or an attorney or an assistant attorney. Someone that's going to come alongside you for the purpose of representing you when you need help. Catch that last phrase. Representing you when you need help. Now that's the earthly way to do it. Now let's talk about the spiritual way. If it means helping you when you need help and I bring it to the Bible. Listen, look up here. I will always need help. Therefore, I'll always need a helper, a comforter, or an advocate. Now, here in this church, we've got a, a wonderful advocate and attorney here named Trevor. We have another young lady that's in the process of becoming a, an attorney named Deborah. Now, going back to them, they are giving their life to come alongside people that are not knowledgeable about the law, or in some way, people are coming against them, and they've got to bring them the law properly and represent them so that they can have truth and, and peace back into their lives. So they're a comforter, they're a helper. I am so grateful that here in our church, that when our church had special needs on various issues, as all organizations will have, that we needed to know what is the right way to do that. Uh, Trevor Brown was always available to answer some of our questions, help us along, representing us in our best interest, because he's to do that, represents the court, but he also represents us. Now, I said that to say this. Those of you who have ever gone through a particular conflict where it now came to a question of the law of your rights being protected, wasn't it comforting for you to know that there was an attorney nearby who had your best interest in mind but knew more than you did about how to navigate through the system of law to be a support for you? Wasn't that a big help? So that's why even attorneys, and they get a bad rap about all the jokes that they made about him, Technically, though, the authentic person of that profession provides not just good advice, a little bit more than help, but they really are an advocate and a comforter. Now, how does that play in with the Holy Spirit now? All right, again, last week we talked about him in this role, and now I'm going to bring this in a different role. All right, watch very carefully. Here am I. I'm a sinner. I've done a lot of wicked things in my life. I'm going to continue to do a lot of wicked things, but I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior by faith alone. 
Now there's a court system, so to speak, in heaven going on. I have someone who is vehemently against me, and that person we're going to refer to biblically, truly, as Satan. He wants nothing more than to uh, dishonor God and dishonor that which God loves, which would be me, to do everything he can to, to, to make me look bad and to show more of how that God's work in my life through Christ is ineffectual, therefore he's not God and not worthy to be glorified. I hope you caught all of that. But now I have this prosecutor named Satan coming against me. And so this prosecutor says, now, God, you know Stan, he has a tendency and he now lays out all of my sins. And he does it and he does it and all of it. So now I'm kind of, you know, going to represent me, you know, to, to God, you know. So now I've got the Lord comes into my life. And he says, now, you've trusted me as a Savior. Now I am your advocate before the judge God. Now he hears everything that the prosecutor says about me. He knows about me. And here's what he says to God the Father. He says, God the Father... <clears throat> We just heard what the prosecutor said. Satan said, Stan's a pretty bad guy. I want you to know, God the Father, that Stan is a whole lot worse than what Satan has just said about this guy. He is horrible. But I took every sin that Stan has done. I've taken him on myself. I've satisfied the payment by dying for his sins and for him. I am now releasing him and forgiving him of all of that. Therefore, Stan can stand before you justified, made righteous, and so therefore he can be exonerated because of what I've done for him. And the neat thing is, is that Jesus is also the judge, so they're kind of in cahoots. And it works out perfectly for me. So now I have Jesus as my advocate upward. Most of you Christians know that. I know that. Because you've been taught this. But some of you younger Christians are coming in. That's, that's great stuff to know. That you have a helper that when it's all said and done and you finally stand before God, you're exonerated because of what Christ has done and he is representing you when Satan's trying to blast you. Now here's a little known fact, but since that same word is used in both places, paraclete, come alongside, defender, etc., that now the Holy Spirit gets into this act. So you have Jesus who is God, you have the Holy Spirit who acts like Jesus because he is God, he represents. But now he does it a little bit differently. Here's what happens in this situation. While Jesus is representing me to God, now what happens in my life, there's going to come times where that unfortunately, as a Christian, certain things begin to happen to me. And maybe when they first happen to me negatively, I can rise above it and say, you know what, that's okay, God's on the throne, blah, blah, blah. I give all the right Christian ease and kind of get through it. But if I am inundated day after day with a lot of problems in my life, car breaks down, problem with work, problem with my health, problem with finances, things are just really coming down on me. All of a sudden, Satan whispers. I don't hear his voice, but I know it's Satan because he wants me to get my eyes off of the Lord. So what he now begins to do is allow me to begin believe negative thinking, such as, you know, God really doesn't love me. God isn't powerful enough. If he's so powerful, why didn't he take these bad things away? If he really loved me and he used his power, I wouldn't have this problem. I don't think God, you know what, I wonder, sometimes I really wonder if there, there really is a God. Now, here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit isn't so much representing me to God. What the Holy Spirit is now doing is he's representing God to me and the Holy Spirit is prompting my heart and saying to me, he's saying, do you know what? God really does love you. When you're going through these things, he's disciplining you, Stan. He's allowing these things to come into your life so you'll get deeper into the word, that you'll lean more on him. When you come out of this little gray cloud in your life, you're going to come out with some bright sunshine. You will be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better pr uh, pastor, uh, just a, a better all-around person. So I want you to know God has not abandoned you. In fact, while you're going through this right now, 
Jesus Christ over here has already been tempted in the same point you are. He's without sin and he loves you too. So I said all that to you folks right here. We have a comforter in Christ who represents us to God. We have a comforter in the Holy Spirit who represents God to us when we need him. And that's the beauty of that comforter. But there's another word in that verse. It's the word the spirit of truth. Again, I'm building the case of the Holy Spirit who's working in our life is equal to the Godhead. Look back at that verse again. And here's what you're going to read at the very end of that verse. It says that he may abide with you forever at the spirit of truth. All right. Two aspects of the spirit of truth would be integrity. You'll see that up on the screen. You'll see integrity, and that means the spirit is marked by truth. And then you're going to see the word inspiration. The spirit gives truth. I know some of you are jotting that down, but I don't want you to have thy word hidden in my notebook. I want to have God's word hidden in your heart. So when you're done with that, look up here for a moment. Again, building the case that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are equal in importance and yet separate in responsibility, but yet all one. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.